Jude, start reading again from verse 5. Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these, indulge in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. So we looked at, at verse 5 already and how he's relating to them three stories from the Old Testament. And he says, you already know these. So again, this underscores for us that he is speaking to Messianic believers. He's speaking to believers because he refers to them as brethren. And he is speaking to Messianic believers in that they know the Old Testament. To them, these are stories that he is re recounting to them. If they were Gentiles, he would not be speaking to them in this way. The Gentiles would have no context of this. Because remember, everybody didn't have their own app on a smartphone back then, their own Bible app. You had to be in a synagogue to be able to hear these teachings. People didn't even have their own version of the Bible at home, of the, of the Old Testament at home. This is something that they got from the synagogues. And, and he says, in, in verse 5, he dealt with this, this group of people who had come out of the land of Egypt. And the summary from that, just so that we're summarizing from last week, is in, is in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, let us fear, if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you should seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was uni not united by faith in those who heard. So, the word that, that these people heard, the signs that they had seen coming out of Egypt, didn't profit them because it was not coupled by faith. And we can certainly liken this to a person who grows up in a Christian home, a person who grows up in the church, going to church on Sundays and hearing the stories. But if it's not coupled with faith, it is of no profit to them. And he warns us here, um, he says that... that um, Subsequently, he destroyed those who did not believe. At the end of verse 5 of Jude, Jude chapter 1, verse 5. He destroyed those who did not believe. So just being born into a home, a Christian home, doesn't make us a believer. So this idea that, oh, you know, all Americans are basically Christians, it's not true. I mean, the, 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 the word Christian traditionally has meant that they follow the teachings of the apostles. And uh, um, it doesn't mean just good. As, as, um, as C.S. Lewis puts it, if, you, if you, don't, you don't need to use the word Christian to mean good. You can just use the word good. Uh, Christian means following the teachings of the apostles. But now let's look in verse 6. He picks up on another, another, another passage of the Old Testament. He says, And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he is kept in eternal bonds under darkness for judgment of the great day. <clears throat> so, he is referring to one of two things here. And uh, um, so he could be referring to 
instances that had taken place in the fall of Satan. Because it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So in verse 1, he creates the heavens and the earth, and verse 2, it's formless and void. So there may have been a time, it may have been in that time where there was the fall of Satan. But we know, we know that, that indeed Satan had fallen because we can see in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Isaiah 14, verse 12, and he's, he's relating this to an earthly king, but there's something also of a spiritual in this as well. Isaiah 14, verses 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning. So remember, the imagery for, for an angel, for an angel of light, is generally a star. And, and uh, how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mountain of assembly in the recesses of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will make myself like the Most High. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. So, so Isaiah is prophesying something here. Um, he's prophesying something here that, that, um, that has taken place. Some event has taken place here. And he's talking about this. So if we look, Jesus makes reference to this as well. If we look in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus said, and, and he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So Jesus makes reference in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, he talks about how Satan fell from heaven like lightning, that there was some event where Satan fell from heaven. If you look in, in uh, um, Revelation chapter, chapter 12, verse 4, there's more reference to this type of thing. Revelation 12, verse 4. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. So you see this imagery for Satan in the book of Revelation as a dragon, and his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven. Again, these stars being the imagery for, for, uh, uh, for angels. If you look in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. And the dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So here it's quite explicit. It says the dragon is the serpent of old, he is the devil, and he is Satan. And he's the serpent of old from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where, where it, it talks about how God is going to bruise Satan. And uh, uh, there's just going to be this, this conflict between Satan and mankind. Here he names the dragon, and he says the dragon is the serpent of old, he's the devil, and he's Satan. So it, here it's very explicit, and he deceives the whole world, and he was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. We know from the last passage we just read that one-third of the stars, the imagery for, for, uh, uh, for, for angels is stars, um, so one-third of the angels fell with him, and that's believed to be the, the demonic forces that are at work in the world today. So we see that, uh, um, we see that it's, it's, it's clear that these sort of things were happening. 
our understanding of angels is actually much lighter, much less clear to us than the Jews of the first century. The Jews of the first century studied angels a lot. They thought that, that every country has an angel over them, much like it's talked about in the book of Daniel. And there, there may be references to this in the book of Genesis, that, that uh, the nations were separated based on the angels or some have based on the, on the children of Israel. But, but um, uh, it was much more developed. So, so when he speaks about this, this is much clearer to him than to us. Now, as a scientist, I will say we don't have good scientific data on angels and on demons. We do not. Because these are the immaterial things, the things that are not obvious to us in our world. So something like 90% of all matter is believed to be dark matter, something that we cannot detect, we cannot see it, we have no instruments that detect it. And we estimate this from the differential of the matter that was there that we can see and the matter that we cannot detect. So that's called this dark matter. And probably one day we will find a way to detect it. But right now we do not. So there's things even in this world that we do not detect. This happens all the time in the sciences. So, so uh, uh, there's a very narrow window of the visible spectrum, in which, of, of the electromagnetic spectrum in which human beings see. We see a very narrow slice of the electromagnetic spectrum. So as soon as you go to the ultraviolet, we no longer see that with our eye. As soon as you go in the other direction, into the infrared, we no longer see that with our eyes. So they say like snakes can see in the infrared, this heat signature. Now we have, we have, uh, we have methods to detect this. And then if you, if you go out further toward the infrared, you go to uh, uh, the, this deep infrared, and then you go to... Uh, uh, microwaves and radio waves in, that, in, in the one direction. In the other direction, past the UV, you have x-rays. Again, we don't see in the x-ray region. We have instruments then, that can detect it. And then we go into the gamma rays. And again, we don't, we don't see that, but we have instruments that can detect in that region. We have instruments that can generate it. So what I'm saying is we know within our own senses and our own instruments, we see in a very, very narrow region. There's a huge electromagnetic spectrum in which our eyes do not detect it. Our ears are not detecting that either. So, so uh, um, there is a spiritual realm that we do not normally detect. Now, the beautiful thing about faith and faith in God and Jesus Christ and the Bible is it brings us into domains and it teaches us of domains in which we cannot see, in which we cannot comprehend. And this tells us that God is much, much greater than us. There are realms that we do not see, but the Bible warns us about these realms to take them seriously. There's an angelic realm, and in that angelic realm, there's different levels of angels. So there's a cherub, which is, which is the, the, the Satan type level, which is the highest of these angelic creatures. And then you have the archangels, which are the top of the angels, and then you have other angels below them. Satan was a cherub, and when he fell from heaven because of his rebellion against God, where he says, I am going to be the exalted one, I am going to be over the stars of the heavens, meaning of all the angels, God took him and thrust him down to the earth. 
Some theologians think that that thrusting down was a period in which you go from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. That in that period is where the earth that God had created beautifully was then all of a sudden formless and void, and then he reconstituted the earth after that with life and with these other features. Again, we don't know that for sure, but this is, this is what uh, uh, some people think from the study of the scriptures. We don't have good, good uh, uh, solid understanding of this, but this is part of walking in faith. We know from the sciences that there are, there are whole realms in which we can't see all around us. So remember, if the electromagnetic spectrum is, is the width of this gymnasium, we are seeing in a region about this big. That's all we see. But we have instruments to detect in both of those directions. But we only see this much. So we already know from science there's so much we cannot see. So when people say, if I can't see it, I don't believe it. Okay, so you don't believe in ultraviolet radiation. Really? Why don't you go under an ultraviolet light and see what it does to your skin after a few minutes? Why don't you go in front of a gamma ray? You won't see anything. But tell me what that does to you, because you'll be dead in like a few seconds. Uh, uh, tell me about that. Tell me about all the radio waves that are going right through you, that you can detect those radio waves that are just going right through you. You put a little radio next to you, it'll detect it. So you do the same things that are hitting that antenna of that radio and bringing out sound for you. The same waves are hitting us, but we just don't detect them. So there's lots of things that we do not see. We can detect but we do not see, and only in this generation can we detect them. 200 years ago, we, we had no way of detecting these things. For all of human history prior to, to modernity, you, couldn't, you, you didn't know they existed, you couldn't detect them, you couldn't generate them. So I presume in the future we will be able to detect dark matter, and it's no longer going to be dark matter, it's going to be matter. It's going to be part of matter that we detect. There's still lots of things we don't detect. So when we speak about angels, and you want to put your scientist hat on, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Scientist, tell me about this. I mean, there's lots of things that we don't detect. And so angels, we don't normally detect, but the scriptures tell us that they are there, and they are there. And we battle against these things, and there are good angels that are our helpers, there are the, the, the bad angels and the good angels. Uh, Jesus often refers to them as, um, as, as uh, uh, his holy angels. The good ones he refers to as his holy angels. For example, in Luke chapter 9, verse 26, it says, Jesus said, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory, in his glory, and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So, so Jesus makes a distinction, and he refers often he refers to them as holy angels, meaning the ones, the two-thirds that did not fall. And when angels appear, they always appear as young men. Uh, that's just how their appearance is. They, they will always appear as young men. And so, so uh, when they appear, they appear as young men. So he's bringing us into a realm in which these people actually knew much more about this than we do in our generation, because the Jews in that generation studied angels. So this, this portion in, Luke, in, in Jude chapter, in, in, in Jude verse 6, it says that the angels who did not keep their domain but abandoned their proper abode, he is kept in eternal bonds under, judge, uh, under darkness for the judgment of the great day. 
remember, they had much more insight on this than we do. It may have been the fall of Satan that this is talking about. Or it may have been uh, this portion in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 through 5, which we've looked at before. Genesis 6, verse 1 through 5. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God... Now this reference to the sons of God, again, is, is, is often referred to as angels. Angels have been stars. Sometimes they're referred to as sons of God. That the sons, not, son, not the son of God, but sons of God, saw the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only on evil continually. So some theologians take this to mean that the angels intermarried with human women. Again, this seems very strange to us because we don't study in these realms very much. And, and, it says, and, and that these Nephilim were their offspring. These were men of renown, and God said, boom, I'm going to end this race. It was because of that, because Satan, through the fallen angels, through the fallen angels, had infected the human race. And in Genesis 3, verse 15, it talks about how, how the enemy would try to do this. And that's why God said, right after that, it goes into the description of, of Noah, where he wipes out the entire human race, except Noah's family, which was kept pure. Again, we don't know which one of these two, but what it speaks of, it speaks of both the pride of Satan, who was, who was uh, about to fall, and it speaks also of the lust of the satanic realm to come and to go after flesh, this flesh of women. So you have this angelic realm intermarrying with the human fleshly realm. What this tells us is he's dealing with an issue of pride, he's dealing with an issue of lust here. And remember, this whole portion is telling us that God will judge sin. God will judge sin. Verse 7 of Jude, he says, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulge in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. So he takes another example. In verse 7, he says, just as. Why just as? Because he's relating this to the portion in verse 6. Just as. What happened in verse 6? Either he was speaking about the fall of Satan and one-third of the angels falling with him. Even with the privileged position of angels, they fell. And what he's warning us is, we have privileged positions, and still there can be a fall. And so he's, he's warning us against pride, and he's warning us against lust. In verse 7, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them. So it wasn't just Sodom and Gomorrah that got wiped out. 
uh, uh, by this fire and brimstone. There were also two other cities, and that's revealed to us in, in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 23. Deuteronomy 29, 23. It says, and all its land is brimstone and salt, a burning waste, unsown and unproductive, and no grass grows in it, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboim, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and in his wrath. So he hit Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboim that day. There were four cities, uh, the, the two of them, the biggest ones, Sodom is the ones he makes reference to most, Sometimes he'll choose, he'll choose Gomorrah, uh, or he'll choose Sodom, but normally he'll put the two together. But uh, these two cities are also mentioned in the book of Hosea. In, in Hosea chapter 11, verse 8, it says, How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. Here, God is saying, I love you guys. He's talking about the nation of Israel. He talks about Israel. He talks about Ephraim, this northern kingdom. And, and uh, uh, he talks about all of Israel. Then he specifically even mentions Ephraim, part of this northern kingdom. And he says, how can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart is turned over with me, in me. All my compassions are kindled. We're used to seeing portions where it says, and the wrath of God was kindled against them. Well, also his compassions were kindled toward Israel. So there were these compassions that came forth as well. So you see that there's this, this, uh, um, this Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think it was, I, I counted the number of times that Sodom and Gomorrah are, are mentioned in the Bible. I think it was, I think it was 22 times that it was, they're mentioned. So throughout the course of Scripture, Throughout the course of Scripture, Sodom and Gomorrah are viewed as the, this huge uh, 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 devastation. From All the way from the book of Genesis, this is discussed. It's discussed in Deuteronomy several times. Amos, Isaiah three times. Jeremiah three times. Zephaniah, uh, Lamentations. Ezekiel four times. Matthew twice. Luke twice. Jesus makes reference to Sodom and Gomorrah. Romans chapter 9, it's mentioned. 2 Peter chapter 2, Revelation chapter 11. Sodom and Gomorrah are mentioned. This is the backdrop of judgment. This is how God describes his destruction and judgment coming upon the world. He, he relates this back to this event of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah are believed to be on the, on the uh, uh, east side of the Jordan River as it goes into the Dead Sea. That land there is barren. I mean, just utterly barren to this day. It is believed Sodom and Gomorrah were in that place. Some, some, um, uh, some historians feel that they, they, they've, they've found those cities now of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's a desolate land. And there was a judgment that came upon them. So this is talked about in, in Genesis chapter 19. We've looked at this portion before. And, and fairly recently. So let me summarize it for you. Uh, the wickedness that was in that land was great. And God sent two angels to go in and to check out and see if the wickedness is great, was as great as it was. It, it was as great as it, as it seemed to be. And it says in, in Genesis chapter 19 verse 1, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed down with his face to the ground. 
And he said, Now behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house. Spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go your way. They said, However, no, but we shall spend the night in the square. And he urged them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house as he prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, and the people from every quarter. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them. This word relations is exactly the same word where it says Adam had relations with her, with his wife Eve and she bore a son. The same word. These men wanted to have intercourse with these other men, these angels. And so it was underscored, yes, that had become as bad as it was told. This was going to be an act of homosexual rape. But it was not just homosexual rape. It was homosexual rape of human beings with angelic creatures. It was a mixing, just like the mixing that had occurred in, in, uh, um, in Genesis cha- chapter 6, this mixing. And it says that, that, that the judgment was proclaimed. It was going to happen. This is what, 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 what uh, this was talked about. So as you look in verse 7 of Jude, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these, what do you mean in the same way as these? He's referring back up to verse 6, in the same way as these. What happened in, ver- in verse 6? Well, it may be that, that angels, these angels were intermixing with human women, this strange flesh of mixing. It says, it says, and around them, since they, in the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh. This strange flesh, meaning this mixing of the, the um, human flesh with angelic flesh. Uh, indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. The punishment of eternal fire. And as you read on, you see that fire came down from heaven and consumed Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboim. It destroyed these four towns, this fire from heaven. You say, well, how does fire rain down from heaven? Well, look, if God can create the universe, he can make fire drop from heaven, right? So we we can end it right there. That, That ends the conversation right there. God can do it. But there have been rainings of fire from heaven before. This has happened in in places where the land is filled with bitumen. Bitumen is an oily, thick, oily substance. And there have been earthquakes or explosions underground that have ignited these. And they're thrust up into the air. And these fireballs come raining down. It's oil, a heavy oil, that's on fire, such that even when it falls on water, it just floats on it, continuing to burn. Burn. It's actually a lot like napalm. Napalm was developed in World War II. It was used a lot in Vietnam. Napalm is a mixture of gasoline and, and a, a coagulating agent that's it, a lot like a, a polymeric material. So it's a lot like, um, like rubber cement that's mixed with gasoline and lit on fire so that when it, when it bombs, it sticks to everything and it just continues to burn. It's very hard to put out the fire and it sticks all over. So it's a lot like napalm. 
the, the, these bursts that have occurred when you have a bitumen-rich soil, which has actually happened in North America, where you have these explosions and, and this stuff just flies up in the air and comes raining down and burns everything that it falls down upon. So there are examples of this type of thing, whether it was that or whether it was just some other supernatural event that occurred. Fire rained down and absolutely destroyed those cities. And God laid it to an utter waste. Now, some of that land has been, has been uh, uh, recovered. They've washed the salt from the, that land and they've recovered it. But if you go there, the sun is very intense. It's very hard to grow things there. And that, that area has been really wiped out. Even you see the remnants of that to this day. It's, it's a, even though it's, it's only like, um, I would say, about 30 miles from Jerusalem. It's not that far from Jerusalem. Uh, uh, but it's, it's way down in the valley, uh, way, way below sea level. Whereas Jerusalem is, is, is up high on a mountain. So you, you have to go from Jerusalem uh, uh, very far uh, uh, down uh, to get to it. But you see this type of thing. So in, in chapter, in verse 6 of Jude, it talks about that they were, they were held in this judgment for the great day. And we read this same sort of thing in Second Peter. In Second Peter, there was reference to, to this sort of thing. In Second Peter chapter, um, uh, chapter 2, verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, meaning, and the real word there is Tartarus, and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for the judgment. So remember, Tartarus is this forever hell. It's this holding place that they never get out of. The abyss was a place that demons were often sent to, and there they would serve for some time, and then they could come back out again. Tartarus was eternal, and they'll be moved eventually from Tartarus to the lake of fire, which also is an eternal torment. Uh, and so this is what he's referring to that they, in, in verse 6 of Jude, that they're going to be kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day, meaning the great white throne judgment, and then they'll be moved to the, the lake of fire. God judges sin. The three sins that are exemplified in Jude, in Jude verse 6 and 7, are the sin of pride, the sin of lust, and the sin of fornication. Fornication meaning any type of sexual sin. So I will warn you that this whole idea in our society that sex is okay as long as there's two consenting adults, that is not at all the scriptural view of it. Not at all. It is very different in scripture. So guess who's right? All right? And, and this is why when there is fornication, when there is illicit sex, there is always destruction. There is always destruction. It destroys the human body when there, there, there is this illicit sex. It destroys families. It destroys relationships. People lose their jobs over this sort of thing. Sometimes they become so unable to rise out of this thing because of affairs that have gone on that they lose their job. Uh, all sorts of things happen in life. And you see this in the book of Proverbs. It says your hard-earned goods are going to go to the house of an alien. Everything that you worked for, you can lose. You look at people that are involved in sex outside of marriage, this constant involvement in sex outside of marriage. It takes the life out of them. 
and this whole thing on, that we see in, in, in our society now on, on Tinder, going from one partner to another, to another, to another. Watch the lives of these people over a period of about a decade. You begin to look at them and it's like, are you still there? Is there any, is there any life there in you? Is there any joy left in you? It draws the life out of them. Draws the light, life out of them. Such things were never seen in the world. Such things were never seen in the world where there's a different partner every night. There's a different partner, except with princes and kings. And those people had all sorts of problems in their lives. But now you have a generation of people growing up with this sort of activity. It is destructive. It is destructive. And God judges sin. The Bible speaks of this as sin. And, and uh, this whole thing of pride, where we're going to be something really great, this whole thing of lust, uh, and this, this whole thing of lust and, and fornication, this, this uh, um, composite, fornication is the composite of sexual sin. It brings destruction. So he's warning these people, that the same people that Peter warned. He says, I want you to learn something. That even though these people that came out of Egypt were so privileged to see ten plagues hit the Egyptians and not so much as a dog bark in the land of Goshen where you were living, where they saw the parting of the Red Sea and they walked through as on dry land. And when the Egyptians attempted it, they were consumed. They saw all of these things and still they doubted him. And they were destroyed. Then he warns them, he says, angels with their privileged positions when they rebelled against God, when they rebelled against God in their pride to try to take authority, when they rebelled against God to try to go and to to leave a domain that was their domain and move into another domain, judgment came upon them and they were held in judgment eternally. And then he says, finally, Sodom and Gomorrah, the example of this sexual sin brought destruction. It is a serious thing. And the Bible is right. The Bible will always be right. Long after I am dead, you are dead, gone. No history of you at all. Everything is vanished of you. This book will remain. God's word will remain. This book is right and true. And he warns us about these things. So if you are caught up in these things, I urge you, there is a way. And that way is repentance. There is a way, and that way is repentance where you come before God and you say, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me. Wash me clean by the blood of Jesus and lead me in the right path. If you have trouble uh, uh, in the sexual realm, and I'll tell you, this is the main realm in which people today have trouble. Go through my series on scriptural sexual ethics. It's on my website in in, in jmtour.com. Look under audio files, scriptural sexual ethics. a six-part series. Start in part one, work your way through part six. It's like three and a half hours of audio messages. And begin to see a breakthrough because there is victory through this. But if you do not repent, it will bring destruction in your life. This is the warning that he's bringing to them. This is the warning that the scriptures are bringing to us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word and the power of it. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Lord, I pray for these young people that you would keep them from this sin of seeing your hand and seeing the graciousness of God and then denying it. 
that you would keep them from a sin of pride, a sin of lust, a sin of indulgence in the flesh, of fornication. And Father, that you bring them to repentance. Lord, bring them to repentance, I pray. And Father, I know that your judgment comes. Your judgment comes and your judgment is clear. Father, blessed be your name. And Father, we may very well even be in the throes of judgment right now upon our nation with the so many things that are going on. Father, have mercy on us, we, I pray, and draw us to repentance. Draw us to repentance. Father, if there be those, there, those here struggling in the sexual realm, Lord, I pray that you bring deliverance in their lives. I'm not judging anybody. I just ask you, Lord, for mercy upon them. Your mercy. Father, for the unsaved here, those who do not know you, Father, I pray that I'd see them saved today. Father, save a soul today, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.